When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Callum Wilson. And he scores it. What a day for Callum Wilson. The first hat-trick of his career. Bournemouth lead by four goals to two. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. 21 today with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. And as we have come out of the Premier League for a couple of weeks, I've today decided to wear my England shirt. So I'm looking forward to watching England's first international game with Sam Allardyce's brand new successor in charge. He's squeaky clean. He'll bring excitement. He'll be bringing fast flowing football. The nation will be optimistic again. Oh, hang on a sec. It's Gareth Southgate. (laughs) Yes, it is indeed, Gareth. And thankfully, not Eddie Howe, as we had been fearing last week. Anyhow, I am wearing the blue and black AFC Bournemouth away shirt from 1995. The great escape. Frizzell on the front. And the reason I'm wearing a retro shirt is it seems to be all the rage in the club shop. And maybe you and I and Sam and a guy called Gareth... We'll be able to help bring some more shirts into the club shop, but I'll talk about that later on. What a tease. You are a teaser, Sean. Well, earlier on today, I was wearing the back of the net T-shirt, Eddie Had a Dream. Now, we've got some more orders to ship out. Robin Latcham and James Oakley, yours are on your way. We also had a selfie from Robert Murphy, the Cherries fan. Check it out on our Twitter feed, AFCB Podcast. But if you want one, go to our shop now afcbpodcast.com slash shop. 
Yeah, and we normally talk about this at the end of the show, but we thought we'd talk about it at the start this time. But we do also have the option to donate. Now, we do run this show for free, and we're getting amazing listeners. We just want to thank everybody that's been listening. We're getting over 4,000 listeners a show now. It's amazing. Um, But it's bit more pressure now because it's like a proper show with like proper numbers of listeners and it's it does take us a lot of time and it takes us money to um for the equipment and all that kind of stuff plus just yeah generally our time sam's a busy web developer and somehow fits in all this and i do my thing um so if you do get value out of this podcast even if you could just stick a tenner you can go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash I was going to say forward slash tenor. Maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> forward slash donate. Um, we really would appreciate it just to help us because we do get a bit of pressure to uh, keep the show going and uh, that would really help. But anyway, enough about that. Let's tell you now what is coming up on this week's Back of the Net. <laughs> We'll be hearing from our match summariser, Mr Dunn, for this week's Michael's Match Report, as our main man at the ground discusses Bournemouth's two-all draw with the Hornets on Saturday. Yep, that's right, and we'll then be hearing your reaction and the media reaction before Sam and I have our say on the game. Should we have clinched all three points, or was a draw a fair result? Yeah, and then we'll have the online opinions of the game, as well as conveying the relief of the Cherries Twitter arty from Thursday, as Eddie Howe reaffirmed his commitment to AFC Bournemouth. Then I will be bringing you the latest club news as we check out the up-to-the-minute goings-on at the Vitality Stadium. Plus, we'll be discussing Cherry's upcoming trip to Hull, and Sean, there's going to be a new competition, well... We're going to be talking about something anyway. And also, really interested in hearing this thing about the shirts. Yep, can't say too much at this stage, but it's going to be, in the words of Cherry Bear, brilliant! Is that what he says? But first, on Back of the Net, it is time to once again see Sam squirm and me snigger, mainly at Sam, as Rob Frank brings our knowledge test to the airways as he asks, Do you remember... He was born on the 18th of June, 1975, in Wimbledon, South London. He started his career at Crystal Palace, but after not making too many first-team appearances, came to us initially on loan in 1995. He played 107 games after signing in 1996... When he left for Huddersfield at the transfer deadline date in March 1999, many Bournemouth fans felt our playoff hopes had gone. He played left-back for us. He was a set-piece expert and played at Wembley against Grimsby. OK, 
Okay, thanks once again to Rob Frank, now firmly established as the Do You Remember host with the most. And Sammy Davis, I reckon even you might get this one. Yeah, by the way, I just want to say, uh, I actually prefer Rob being the host more than you, Sean, but uh, enough about that. Anyway, um, yes. Awkward. <laughs> I, think, I think I do. Um, first three clues uh i must admit didn't really do anything for me the date of birth not so much crystal palace bournemouth uh on loan then he played 107 games um the bit when he left for huddersfield rang a bell uh, but then the fact that he played left back and played at wembley pretty much sealed it for me so sean i think i've got it oh well you at home or in the car or wherever you are listening are you as clever as sammy d i really hope so Okay, so in a moment on Back of the Net, we'll be hearing your views on our match this weekend against the Hornets. But first, let's get the lowdown on the two-all draw at Vicarage Road from our expert summariser, Michael Dunn. Our resurgent cherries didn't quite manage to draw the Hornets' sting on Saturday, as it was honours even for the fifth time in the past six meetings between the two sides. After the impressive victory over Everton, Eddie saw no reason to change the starting eleven. although Josh King returned to the squad in place of Lisa Mousset after recovering from a rapidly healed hamstring injury. Arta Boritz, Steve Cook and Adam Smith were all called upon to prevent efforts from Troy Deeney and Ojo Nigalo opening the scoring before we slowly began to get a foothold in the game. Callum Wilson, looking sharper by the week, was felled by Sebastian Prodil, and from the resulting free kick, Junior Stanislas whipped in a cross shot, which forced a decent save from Aurelio Gomez. Bournemouth took the lead on 31 minutes when Troy Deeney sent an advancing Adam Smith tumbling, and Junior Stanislas knew better than to wait for Dean's whistle, as he pounced on the loose ball to cross to the near post. Callum Wilson, for whom headed goals were at best an annual event, got in front of Prodil to head under Gomez, who, we can only assume, was dazzled by the bright Hertfordshire sunlight. Header goals from Wilson are, however, a regular event in comparison with strikes of any kind from Andrew Sermon, and when our goal machine beat two men inside the Watford box and pulled the ball back to the sensible one 18 yards out, it was no surprise to see the ball clear the crossbar at the rookery end. In between times, Arta Boris was called upon to keep us in it, pushing Norden Amrabat's effort wide to his left before jumping to his feet again to deny the Dutchman from the follow-up. Watford had the better of the opening exchanges after the break, and on 50 minutes drew level. Amrabat rolled Charlie Daniels to find space at the byline, and Deeney, who had stolen half a yard in the penalty box, didn't need any more to fire home before being floored by Andrew Sermon for his trouble. After Boris had again denied Deeney from a header with an outstanding save, Eddie decided it was time to play his ace, and replaced Jordan Ibe with a fit again Josh King. He put two Watford midfielders out of the game before heading straight for goal. So surprised was Jack Wilshire at the speed of King's direct running that he only just managed to get out of the way, but the same could not be said of the cherry-phobic Eunice Cabal, whose midriff helped guide King's shot past Gomez just 44 seconds after he'd stepped onto the pitch. With the travelling faithful delighting in regaining the lead and having finally found a player in our squad with the correct amount of syllables and goals to suit the Will Grigg song, Watford wasted no time in restoring parity. Adam Smith conceded a free kick deep in the Cherries' half, with Holobas whipped into the box 
where 11-footed defence watched Isaac's success head home a goal which had headline writers and pumpastic podcasters everywhere reaching for their notepads. Bournemouth had the better of the closing stages, with Horelio Gomez's goal leading a charmed life. Jack Wilshire, who had already hit the bottom of the post earlier in the half, spurned a guilt-edged opportunity to win the game when hitting the same spot, the same post from Adam Smith's pass with the goal gaping. Smith was then fouled outside the penalty area, and Junior Stanislas's free kick had Gomez beaten, but once again, the woodwork came to Watford's rescue. In uncharacteristically public fashion, Eddie Howe took out his frustration at not claiming the three points on the furniture in the Vicarage Road Media Centre, but I'm sure that given time to reflect, he will conclude that an away point that makes it just one defeat in the past five Premier League games is a decent return going into the so-called international break. Thank you very much, Mr Michael Dunn, for this week's match report. And hey, Sean, I'm starting to think that he's a good luck charm. We haven't lost since he's been doing his match summaries. There's some thought. But anyway, what about a tune to accompany the fan thoughts? Well, we've been asking you on Twitter for some app songs. Steve Butler said, Journey, don't stop believing after hitting the woodwork three times. Yep, know where you're coming from there, Steve. Uh, Cockbeard on Twitter said, Oh No by Everything Ever just came on. And I was certainly thinking that more than twice on Saturday. Gary Wright Tell me when the whistle blows by Elton John for Jack Wilshire, as he hasn't played a full 90 minutes in over two years. Like that one. Red and Black Exile said, it has to be an Elton John song. What about, I guess that's why they call it the blues. Yet again, very apt, but we did do that one a couple of weeks ago. Kevin Anderson, it's a shame that Archbishop Desmond Tutu's never had a successful recording career. Agreed. We could have been playing a bit of that. Steve Wright said, after a topsy-turvy game, my song choice for Cherries fans following the team, You're My First, My Last, My Everything by Barry White. What a great tune that is. However, the winner this week, to sum up the game itself, was from AFCB Dan on Twitter. And this was cracking. And when you hear the chorus, yes, it's very apt. It's the future heads with yes, no. You'll see where we're going with this. Yeah, it was a brilliant game, it really was. A fair result for both sides, I thought. I mean, they, they both tried to get the winner towards the end of the game. Uh, Watford had their moments, so did Bournemouth. But it was a brilliant game of football in the second half. Took their goals well, some good substitutions from Eddie Howe when Josh King come on. First touch, more or less. Gets a deflected shot, goes into the back of the net. Then you're thinking Bournemouth are going to go on and win the game. But Watford kept going, brilliant header from success. Brilliant ball in from Holobas. And uh, 2-2, but they come back and got a good point. Hi, my name's York. I'm from New Zealand, currently living in London, and over the weekend managed to go to my first uh, Premier League game. Uh, first of all, I just want to give a shout-out to Sean Bucker, who managed to get me a ticket, and what a game it was. I was stoked to, to be called Bournemouth to be my first Premier League game, and uh, I think definitely I'll be supporting Bournemouth in the future. So all I need now is a scarf and a shirt for the next game, and I'm sorted. Up Bournemouth. Oh, remind me never to watch a Bournemouth game on a stream again. 1-1. Didn't realise my stream was a couple of minutes behind. Looked, looked online and saw that we were 2-1 up, so I had the pleasure of watching two minutes, knowing that we were going to score. That was, that was a weird feeling. Great goal by King coming on um, to score that goal. 
thought we played really well. Hit the ball right three times. Wiltshire should have buried his last his last chance. Still a little bit worried about areas of defence, but um, I think Eddie obviously he's putting the players that he sees at the training ground uh, into the first team. So uh, we we trust how he goes with that for now. Uh, Wilson looks back to his best, and um, hole in a couple of weeks looks good. Um, I got to get my stream sorted out because <laughs> two one from went from that ecstasy. I refresh the stream. And uh, when it refreshed, get a tweet to say they've equalised for 2-2. It's gutted. Some emotional game watching that. Uh, but, uh, two good teams. I think they'd be safe this year. Both going for the win. And both look like they'd be all right. So roll on a couple of weeks in hole. What's going on, guys? On the match review of Watford 2, Bournemouth 2. Josh King did well. Sam Wilson, everyone did well. But I think, again, ban the match goes to Arthur Boric. Pulling off some world-class key saves keeps in the game. He has he, he has been the massive impact and the game changer this season. Can't wait to see what he brings to the future of the Bournemouth. I don't know how long he's going to be at this club for. There was a little bit of suspicion. Maybe should we keep him in goal at the end of last season, but he's come back, shown a lot of ambition, bringing more and more to the table. Great game. Hello boys, it's John from the from the Rooker Inn podcast. Uh, just a quick message for you guys, how we, we what we thought about Saturday's game. Uh, what a fantastic game of football. Uh, maybe we didn't quite feel that we were watching it, but looking back at it, it was just superb. You know, two teams in the second year of the Premier League playing great football. We've got to say in the end, it was it was two two was, was a fair result. Maybe the first half was ours. Maybe the second half was yours. Two two over was great. We were coming off the back of a, a loss at Burnley, so maybe we did want a little bit more. But it was a great game of football and just proves that, you know, both these teams shouldn't, fingers crossed, you cross your fingers as well, by the way, stay up in the Premier League for, for another year because there's certainly worse teams out there than us. The question is, can we keep it going for a whole season and stay out of trouble with injuries? Good luck, have fun, uh, and uh, we'll see you at your place later in the season. Maybe 3-3 three, three next time. So thank you very much to everyone who took part in the fan thoughts for the Watford game. You first heard from Ray Parler, but you also heard from Yorick, Steve Wright, YouTuber Matt, and also a big shout to John Mooney. Uh, the Watford podcast is called From the Rookery End, and we advise you check it out. I've been listening to a couple of episodes recently, and it's a really good listen. But um, firstly, Sean, you know Yorick, is that right? <laughs> yeah, so Yorick and Josh are a couple of mates of mine from down here in Wellington, New Zealand, and we play for Island Bay United uh, together, which is one of our local sides. Big up to Nick Goodall, who's uh, a listener of this podcast, who also plays for Island Bay. And when I was back last time, well, last season, he insisted I came back with a Bournemouth shirt for him with France's number two, so he proudly wears that. And so I've slowly been introducing AFC Bournemouth to everyone in New Zealand, and yeah, Yorick and Josh were in London and wanted a ticket and Sam Summers luckily had a couple going last minute. So these Kiwi boys got to go in the about third or fourth row and had a great old time. And I was there watching at home and when King scored, I could see Josh and Yorick going mad in the uh, stand. So good to see another couple of Bournemouth fans there just started off life 
Well, a good time, I guess, for us now. And uh, also Steve Wright there bringing us his fan thoughts live from the inside of his washing machine, by the sounds of it. <laughs> so maybe that's a new feature, is where can you bring your fan thoughts? I wonder if he had any hot points. Uh, sorry, I've started early. <laughs> you laughed, you laughed. Um, by the way... <laughs> God, that's a that's like a five second laugh. That must be a record for me. Um, by the way, Sam Summers, uh, did he actually go to the game, or could he not go? By the way, do you know? No, he did go. He had some mates, and one of his mates let him down last minute. There was a whole bunch of them. So yeah, Yorick Josh got to hang out and have a beer and do the proper Bournemouth experience. Apparently, there was a bit of action. I was told on Twitter. I don't know what that means, and maybe we don't want to know. Good stuff. So in terms of the lineup at the game, Sean, were you happy with the 11 that started? Of course, it was the same uh, 11 that started against Everton. Yeah, it made perfect sense, really. And Joshua King obviously coming back in for Lise Mousset. Um, yeah, as Michael said, after his very quick recovery from a hamstring strain. Um, interesting that Watford changed their formation for this game. They've been playing a lot with three at the back. And they pretty much got destroyed by Burnley last week, especially out wide on the wings. And knowing how much we can hurt teams out in those positions, they did change to a back four. Although having said that, Wilson was having an absolute field day with those balls in the channel, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was. But um, it did really feel that like Watford were in control of the game, though, didn't you think, early on? I mean, I know we got um, a little bit of joy with Wilson getting a bit of space. But um, apart from that... It did feel like Watford were in control, but all of a sudden the momentum just slowly started to shift. Yeah, it really did. They came out pretty fast because they were really slow against Burnley and that really set them up for that defeat, I think, having watched that game, was Burnley just seized on the opportunity. Whereas, yeah, Watford obviously came out, ears were ringing from their coach. Well, not their coach, from the interpreter next to the coach because he Mm. doesn't speak a word of English yet, I don't think. Still just in his native Italian. Um, But yeah, we just... There was a couple of moments uh, they were putting balls in the box like we expected they would do. And uh, we had to deal with a lot. And actually, I think overall, we dealt with them pretty well. And then, as you say, we just the tables just started to turn and we just started getting a bit more of the ball. And what I liked was um, we were slowly progressing up the field. So we would. It it looks like we're just making a lot of what you could almost class as needless passes because they're going 10, 15 yards. But what we're actually doing is slowly progressing. And a really great example of that is if you watch the move that led up to our opening goal, there ended up being something like 18 passes in that move that started with going back to Boric from, I think it was Ibe. There were some one-twos from um, the defence. And then all of a sudden, we've kind of passed from one side to the other and then back again. But we're 20 yards further up the field. And I'm really liking how we're just slowly building and progressing ourselves up. And then, of course, it gets out wide. Smithy has a bit of a clattering. And then Stanislas, back to the glory days of Johnny Bailey and doing the turnaround as he just does this little goes to go one way, rolls all the way back round, beats two defenders. Good early cross. Now, it was deflected up into the air. But I think even if it wasn't, Wilson had made such a great run, I think he still would have been the first one to it and probably then would be taking it with his foot. As it was, great downward header, nothing keeper can do. And yeah, it felt real good, didn't it, to get that goal? It did, but you say nothing the keeper could have done. Is that is that is that true? You're six, seven yards out, it's coming in at pace and he's put it right by his toes. Like in terms of getting down quickly... 
that is the hardest place to get down quickly. Now, because, you know, if it was slightly more out to the side, well, you're kind of diving at more of an angle. When it's right at the toes, it's so tough within a split second to get down and make that save. Mm. I mean, when you're watching the game, by the way, Sean, earlier on, um, the referee, don't you? I think it was Mike Dean, wasn't it? Don't you feel they, he was brandishing a hell of a lot of yellow cards? I mean, I was, I was worried at some point someone's going to get sent off here. It seemed to be every couple of minutes. I know, it was huge, wasn't it? And it was, um, yeah, it did make you a bit nervous because, well, it made you nervous, but it also made you think, oh, well, you know, like Prodal got booked pretty early on for that handball uh, down, the wide, down wide from Wilson, which if you were watching on Match of the Day... Did you think their highlights, they spent a ridiculous amount of time on that handball decision in relation to the whole game? But anyway, that's another point. Um, There was a lot of yellow cards and you were thinking, ah, this is a game that potentially someone could get sent off. But actually, I'm glad no one did because it, well, it was a great game. Yeah, no, it really was. Jack Wilshire got booked after 20 minutes, I thought. I don't know. I had a a funny feeling about that. But anyway, half-time, and it was 1-0. And then the second half, well, it didn't exactly start great, did it? Um, Now, I was watching this, and I just... Andrew Sermon, I think, has got... his positioning was pretty bad. He was he was kind of a little bit asleep, I think, because Watford had a throw. And Sermon was standing in a position where he's just completely ineffective. The you know, the thrower could just like throw it over him and he wasn't he should have been like five yards back. But as it was, uh it was Amrabat, wasn't it, on the right hand side, um, who managed to turn Charlie Daniels fairly easily. Um a few there's a few people criticising Daniels for that. Um, but then he managed to pull it back and Troy Deeney uh, finished well and then clattered in maybe uh, justifiably to Andrew Sermon after that horrible error that I thought Andrew Sermon made. And yeah, it was one all. What were your thoughts on that goal? Yeah, it was a, it was a poor goal. Um, yeah, Daniels just... Yeah, it was a couple of times, wasn't it, when he just got turned too, too easy. Now, a lot of the time, I think we need to give credit for Ibe. I think Ibe's defensive displays have been getting stronger and stronger, and he's, um, I think he's been actually doing well tracking back. On this occasion, he wasn't there. Yeah, far too easy to get turned. And then the other issue I had was that you've got Cook, who was picking up Deeney. He has to go and close the ball down, which he did. But Francis had two decisions to make. He either did what he did, which was drop back onto the goal line, or he could have come forward onto Deeney. For me, and oh, you know, it's easy to say now, but he obviously he made the wrong decision. He's dropped back into the onto the line where, you know, it's going to be tough to keep the ball out unless you stick your hand out. Whereas, if he'd have gone to Dini, he would have been able to put a challenge in, and potentially the goal would have been uh, not not happened. So that was the only thing that I was a bit disappointed about. Yeah. Um. So oh, well, for you, yeah, Charlie Downs. For me, Andrew Sermon had a had a. Had a little bit to do with it. But um, earlier on in the game, just winding it back, sorry, to the first half, um, Sermon, not made for shooting, is he? (laughs) Uh, It was a great, again, great run from Wilson out wide. Cut in. I thought he was going to go down. And Mike Dean loves giving a penalty, right? He's given a lot of penalties this season. Watford hate conceding penalties, (laughs) especially when we get a penalty. And there was a little moment where I thought, oh, no, they're hating Wilson because he scored. He's going to go down. We're going to get another pen. He didn't. He lays it back to Sermon. And it looked bad in real time. And then on the TV, they showed the replay from behind where he's absolute, as we used to call Toblerone toe, as it's come off his Toblerone (laughs) boot on the side, miles over and wide. 
And the other thing that happened in the first half, which, you know, you've, you've glossed over there, Sammy, was um, Boric's great save. Um, he made that good double save. And the thing that impressed me most about that was the speed that he gets back up on his feet. Like, that's what they train all week to do. He makes the save, and then it's a push, accelerated back up. And as a good example of goalkeepers versus outfield players, this is a bit of goalkeeper union talk. You watch Charlie Daniels, who makes the slide tackle for the first shot on the ground, He's not getting up. I don't even know if he makes an effort to get up. But in the time it took, Daniels has done a slide. Before he's up on his feet, Boric has made a save, gone to ground, got up and made another save. Yeah, I know. That was very good. So um, Eddie Howe is sometimes criticised for making substitutes too late or maybe bringing on the wrong player. 62 minutes, Joshua King replaces Jordan Ibe. 62 minutes, Joshua King Puts Bournemouth 2-1 in front. Inspired, Sean, eh? It was a great substitution, obviously, again, in hindsight. And yeah. it was a good time because, you know, it was one of those games that was real back and forward, wasn't it? And a few minutes before, just after the goal, actually, Wilshire had had the chance where he's just skipped past a couple of players and then we're thinking he's put it in bottom corner and it's just skipped off the side of the posts. It was a great effort, but that was kind of a sign of there's going to be more chances. And then King comes on. It was pretty much his first touch, wasn't it? He's shown great strength, great, strong running. He just looks so full of confidence and all right, there was a deflection, but still, ah, just great. Joshua King, what a goal scorer. Yeah, really good. But unfortunately, and uh, the puns will reflect this, uh, within uh, three minutes, Watford equalised. It was such a topsy-turvy game. Um, it was Isaac Success who uh, who headed in, assisted by Jose Holobas. It was a cross after uh, a free kick, uh, which was conceded by Adam Smith, who uh, incidentally, I think, had a great game as the, uh, as the, ha- as the second half progressed. But yeah, um, two all... Uh, it's a funny goal, really, because, you know, Boric didn't move. But was it just a case of it was such a good header or I mean, what happened? Talk me through it. Yeah, well, it's a great. Firstly, it's a great delivery. It's it's kind of whipped in. And funny enough, the do you remember this week, you know, talks about a certain left back for Bournemouth who used to put in exceptional free kicks into the box. And all right, this is on the opposite side to this player in terms of where he would bend them in. But still great delivery in. And then um, success, he, he's getting picked up by Sermon. He does a little bump as they're like a little booty bump, as you'd call if you're in the Discord tech, just before he gets up to head it. But it's just enough to give him a yard or two away from Sermon. King's in a position, I guess it's like a zonal position. But again, he's kind of, he's not close enough to success and he's not close enough to the guy behind. So he kind of puts a lame leg up. Nothing Boric can do. And uh, as Michael said, the goal goes in and puntastic podcasters were having a field day. Yeah, we'll be going over them a bit later on. But uh, Bournemouth had chances, didn't they? And um, Adam Smith, as I say, he was he was involved later on where he uh, won a free kick. We will talk about Stanislas later. But there was this marauding run where he seemed to have acres on the right hand side. And then he put it right across the oh. box and it met Jack Wilshire at the far post. <laughs> when I saw that, I thought, this is it. This is it. Three, two. And off the outside of the post, and well, I don't think any of us could have believed it. I oh, know it was. It came across a, and you just thought, "This is it." You know, it's an open goal. Here comes his goal. He's not been picked up, and ah, oh, yeah, it was. 
it was one of those where it comes across and i bet jack's still probably waking up in the night thinking about it it was one of those where it's so easy to score it that in your head you're thinking i need to keep this down and keep it on target because this has to be a goal you know if you've played up front you kind of have those moments in games when you do get those few moments before the shot to process what's about to happen. And that totally was one of those where it's like, well, this is a goal. Ah, I need to do everything right. And in the end, it kind of came off his bottom of his boot a little bit, didn't it? And I was gutted for him because I think he deserved the goal because he'd he'd played really well, actually. Again, good minutes under his belt. But it was one of those games where you thought there's going to be more chances. And then, yeah, Stanislas has that great free kick, eh? That was, what, an inch or two from hitting the back of the net. But... It was one of those games where, during it, it was actually pretty nerve-wracking to watch, wasn't it? And it was you're pretty edgy because you never felt confident that it was all over. You know, even when we were ahead or when we got back or when they scored, you didn't really think, oh, God, we're going to lose this now 4-2. You thought, oh, either team could snatch it. And once the final whistle went, you actually had moment to reflect and go, do you know what? That was a really enjoyable game of football after the final whistle. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird, actually, because um, listening to the From the Rookery podcast, uh, they were agreeing and saying exactly the same thing. Like, you know, rivalries aside or whatever, it was a really good game of football. Um, Eddie Howe seemed to enjoy it, but one thing he didn't enjoy was his post-match conference, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a great video going the rounds on social media where he came into the press room, sits on the chair, ready to start, and then the chair collapsed. <laughs> and there was a little comment from Eddie of, oh, I must have put on weight. So, uh, yeah, that was a nice little moment. And if you listen closely, he it sounds like he swears. But anyway, surely, surely to goodness, Eddie Howe does not swear. Um, but um, you might be swearing after some of these, uh, Sean, because some of them are awful. It's time for the puns. Oh, yes. And um, we've had a few. Uh, let's see. Well, you had your own one, Sean, that you decided to put out. King denied winner's crown thanks to Watford's success. Oh, that's great. That's genius. Who was, sorry, who was that? Who submit? Oh, oh, that was my Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, we had uh, Ross Devonport who uh, tweeted, look at those posts, look how they shined for you. (laughs) Watford cherries play far from cold, but feel all yellow after draw. Oh, wow. There's some guy listens to Coldplay. Yeah. Like I say, I think it would have been good if we were playing Fulham and Chris Martin was playing, then you could have seen the connection. Um, A few people had rewrites. Paul Kenwood uh, came in uh, with a pun on October the 1st, but then only today. So this is three days of thought. Yeah, but this um, was a great one. This one is my pick. I love this one. So here we go. King Wilson valiantly attacked the Hornets, but they were denied denied success as they were stung. Awful delivery. I'm sorry, Paul. The delivery got (laughs) ruined there. Sorry, I'm uh, yeah, not exactly uh, the best there. Steve Wright, Jack in the Box, fails to keep the cherries buzzing um oh he rewrites it success proves a sting in the tail for the cherries as jack in the box fails to pop up with the winner there you go steve right there's your two mentions he uh he just tweeted us just now saying oh, it's the highlight of my week getting mentioned on back of the net so uh steve right there's a third for you um gary on twitter cherry stung by hornets late equalizer robert murphy watford woodwork woes denied cherry success and steve phillips comes up with a curious one he says in a scottish accent why why but anyway 
after hitting the woodwork three times, I didn't know how the cherries get the success they deserved. I see what you've done there. Dini, Dinot, it's, you know, like the other one, but what's with the Scottish accent, eh? Yeah, well, good work and good effort and uh, loving the, all the rewrites. People really thinking hard about it, calling in sick from work. Can't go in today. <laughs> I'm just not 100% happy with it. So well done. Keep them coming. Now, we've heard from the media moguls. We've heard from Michael and from Sam and myself on Saturday's game at Vicarage Road. So I suppose it's time for me to allow Limber up and do some stretches. Here we go. Before I get into my news booth. But Sam, before I begin... What did the fans say online about the game? Hmm, well, opinion was mixed to say the least, Sean, uh, especially over on Twitter, where I'm now going to delve in and scroll back through some of the comments. So Alex Deutsch said, fair result, either side could have won it, very good point away from home. Mike Brannan, for all the Twitter bluster and bravado, AFCB and Watford are two very evenly matched teams. Very entertaining game yesterday. Tom Latcham said, Watford fans claiming AFCB manipulated the ref. Sunday Times say Watford deserved their bookings. Who'd have thought it? He went on to say, we're a better side than Watford, but our defence continues to let us down. How does Howe not see this? Robbie Sargent said, should have won that against a very limited Watford side. Unsurprisingly, poor defending last down. Who'd have thought? Ryan Grist said, Jack Wilshire was superb against Watford and very unlucky not to score, making such an impact in our midfield. Can't believe a summer criticising him. And Andy Tanner said, great day out in Watford. Shame about not getting the three points, but we march on. So those were some opinions from the fans, but what did Eddie think? Well, he was said to be disappointed with the draw and seemed somewhat downbeat on match of the day. Now, that attitude of being disappointed by dropping points is probably one of the reasons why so many fans on Twitter were last week touting him for the England job. And as you'll have heard on last week's podcast, we were pretty much bricking it. But we're pleased to hear by Thursday morning that our main man had distanced himself from the job. Chris Temple on Twitter said, No beating about the bush from Eddie Howe this morning. Keen for the England stories to go away. Not interested. UTC in all departments. What I like most about Howe's reply to the England job was his commitment to the players he's just signed. Man of his word. And Alex Crook said, Eddie Howe appears to rule himself out of the England job and says he is committed. AFCB Rob said, I know we all know it, but it has to be said, Eddie Howe is a class act. Long may he remain a cherry. And Just In Time said to Stan Collymore, I would agree this is rock bottom for our national team. No other manager excites me but Eddie Howe. You see, his name is still being touted even after he himself distanced himself. But... What if Eddie Howe was England manager? Would he have made the same mistake as picking Glenn Johnson in the latest squad as what Gareth Southgate did? That's not me calling it a mistake, by the way. That's just the voice of Twitter speaking. Now, as it happened, Glenn Johnson was injured anyway. But it did bring up some renewed calls for Adam Smith to be involved in the England setup. Dave Bodymore said, Michael Keane had started the season well, but I feel AFCB's Adam Smith should have been next in at right back in line. James Stopford, Adam Smith and Troy Deeney not getting picked for the English squad just because of the clubs they play for? What a joke. Nick Cooper, how is Glenn Johnson in the England squad over Adam Smith? English national team is a joke. 
Now, another player that's been touted for England call-up is Mr Harry Arter. Now, I know you're probably thinking, Harry Arter, but he plays for the Republic of Ireland. But alas, in the words of Alan Partridge, there's more to Ireland in this, as the marauding midfielder has not played a competitive game for Ireland, so there's still a chance he can feature for the three lines, and the Bournemouth fans have had their conspiracy hats on recently, as our number eight has been omitted from the squad due to a hamstring injury. The Echo said Harry Arter's due to undergo a scan to discover if the problem he sustained at Watford will condemn him to a spell on the sidelines. Arter went to ground clutching the muscle during the first half of his side's two-all draw at Vicarage Road on Saturday. Ben Dinnery on Twitter said Harry is waiting on the scan results. Fingers crossed it won't be anything serious. It was very sore but I was able to get through the game. That was from the man himself. Adrian on Twitter said this smells like he's keeping the door open for the in England cap. Sam Summers. Talk of Harry playing for England is interesting. While I'm English and all for it, part of me doesn't want them to ruin him much. Yeah, fair play. And Chris AFCB said, Methinks some of Arta's injuries conveniently coincide with Ireland's competitive games. Good for AFCB, and it keeps the England option open. And here's what Jeff Stelling and Paul Merson had to say. Yeah, this is the remotest chance that Harry Arter could be in it. And if not, why not? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Why, why not? He gets on the ball, he plays. He's a good footballer, very, very good footballer. He's loads of energy. Something's got to change with this England squad. What's the point in just picking the same team? If you, if you go and pick the same players, me and you might as well go and do it. Yeah. You might, honestly, we might as well. We're playing more. Give these players a chance. Jack, Jack Wilshere said Harry Hart was right up there with any of the midfielders he's played with. Well, he's played with a few, hasn't and he? he's played with a few, and I mean, he's played with some top, top draw yeah. ones. So, you know, it, it's the problem of where these players play. And it is, Jeff. It is, you know, they're playing the Bournemouth and Watford like Troy Deeney. And play, you know, will they get picked for England and playing with them teams? Which, for me, is unfair. Now, just finishing up with the AFC Bournemouth-related stories, and it seems as the Cherries are looking to improve their media output as a digital editor vacancy has opened up at the club. Well, that's an interesting position. I wonder what that entails, because I do media-type stuff. Proficiency in Adobe Premiere? Check. After Effects? Check. Photoshop? Yep. Comfortable with Windows and Mac? Oh, my God. Ability to work and operate a range of camera equipment? Check. Oh, just imagine... Work at AFC Bournemouth, such a dream. But then I wouldn't really be able to do the podcast, would I? Might be a conflict of interest somewhat. Mm, no, that's it. I'm going for it. I'm putting my application in. And it's gone. Oh man, what a job will that would be. If I get it, I'll be professional all the way to the end of my back of the net podcast career. I'll be loyal and disciplined. Hello? Oh, AFC Bournemouth. Huh? I've got the job. Amazing! I'll be over in a bit. AFCB Club News. Now, not how, for England. Following on from last week's sacking of England manager Sam Allardyce, talk turned immediately to whether Eddie Howe could become the next manager of the Three Lions. 
We heard your fan thoughts on this matter on last week's show, and our very own Sammy Davis even appeared on Wave 105 FM as an expert on the issue to give his thoughts. However, it was the words of Eddie Howe that we really wanted to hear, and so it was heartening as an AFC Formouth fan to hear him tell the media the following. I'm absolutely committed here. I love the job. I've got a lot more work to do here first. I've said in many interviews that I think the England job is the ultimate, but I've signed players here very recently and pledged a future to them over how the season is going to unfold and, it's all hypothetical of course, I couldn't turn my back on this club and the people that employ me. The loyalty they have shown me, I need to show in return. I'm not interested in the job now. Who knows what will happen in the future? You can never predict football. Well, hopefully, we all predict a very long and successful career here at AFC Bournemouth before he decides to leave us. There's a new guy marshalling the communications. With Matt Ritchie moving north to Newcastle, it was only fair that we got someone in return. And so AFC Bournemouth have pounced to secure a signing of their own from the Toon, with Anthony Marshall joining as head of media and communications. He will look to reignite the club's comms after a dip in form following the departure of Max Fitzgerald and Kelly Summers, who had done a lot of great work to improve this area of the club as he starts his new role this week. We had a message from Anthony a couple of weeks ago to say he was on holiday and preparing for his new position by listening to the back catalogue of Back of the Net. So expect to see lots of official club news featuring tremendous puns and plenty of references to Steve Jones. Harry might not be on the midnight train to Georgia. Harry Arter could miss travelling with the Republic of Ireland squad for their World Cup qualifier versus Georgia and Moldova as he undergoes a scan to assess the damage done to his hamstring in the game last weekend versus Watford. Arter suffered the injury during the first half at Vicarage Road but went on to complete the 90 minutes and he told the Daily Echo it was a little bit sore I'll probably have a scan on it on Monday, so fingers crossed it won't be anything too serious. It's an honour to represent your country. I always look forward to it, whether it's a friendly or a qualifier. Some would say players look forward to it more than fans do, whereas you now look at international breaks and think, ugh, when's it over? AFC B-Club News. Okay, Sean, don't worry, don't worry. I've not left you yet. Yeah, you'll never leave me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, okay, you you know, you swung me around with that uh, £1,000 a show contract. Uh, How's about that? Um, Anyway, I'm loving the puns there, Sean. Now, not how for England. Very good. Um, Also, there's a new guy marshalling the communications. Yeah, oh, like, like, like if it. I'd have had a, if I'd have had a bit more time, I would have worked something about an ant because it's ant Anthony. But I, I kind of was time was precious, more precious than a decent pun. It seems. <laughs> yeah, and also Harry might not be on the midnight train to Georgia. Oh, the midnight 
train to Georgia. Yeah, a bit of Gladys Knight and the Pips for you uh, pop pickers. <laughs> Well, uh, Sean, uh, you know, we do this uh, show and I'm here in beautiful pool. It's getting colder now and you're there and it's getting warmer in Wellington. You you, you know, you look as though you're sweating there, but uh, I'm loving that blue and black Frizzell away shirt. That that probably is one of my favourite kits. And uh, you love a retro shirt, don't you? I do. And the club shop have started producing retro shirts. So at the moment, you can buy some classics. There's the 8182, which is the Reg Heinz Toyota. There's the Cooper's Beer 8586. They've now got in stock the Nolan 8889. Plus, they've got the uh, classic tracksuit jacket that Harry Redknapp was wearing when we beat Man United in 83-84. But we've been chatting to Gareth Davies, who is one of the writers within the programme. And he's also the club's replica shirt expert. And basically, we're... We want some more retro shirts. Now, Gareth has gone to the club and spoken to Barry at the club shop, and he's also been chatting to the new guy marshalling the communications, Anthony. And what we are going to be setting up over the next week or so is an online poll to try and uh, pick the next retro shirt that the club can produce. So we're going to be working with Gareth. There'll be a poll on the Back of the Net website. There's going to be around 10 shirts to choose from. So if you've got an idea, maybe tweet or Facebook message us an idea. But once the poll is set up, you'll be able to go on, register your pick for the best shirt that you want to have chosen and then the top three were going to be given to barry at the club shop now no promises the club are going to go ahead and print them but the club are open to listen and he's going to be taking the poll results to the commercial department and so we might actually get a say in the next retro shirt which is pretty exciting what about that sam Oh, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah, so make sure you keep up to date with everything that we're doing on Facebook and Twitter because what we're going to be doing is giving you a heads up via social media as to when we get that opinion poll on our website. And if you need to know our address, it's afcbpodcast.com. Yep, and on the next show, we're going to be speaking to Gareth to officially launch the poll. So Gareth's going to be on, talk a bit about the shirts and about the process. And uh, you know how, like in the presidential elections over in the States, you've got the current president can basically say who he wants to be the next president. Well, I'm going to call it early as one of the, you know, people setting up the poll. I want to see that purple away shirt. I really want to see that purple away shirt. Or... The other option I reckon would be really awesome would be the classic 70s green and black away shirt, which I never got to see in the flesh, but I've seen it on TV. Do you remember that Ted McDougall goal, 1972, that diving header against Villa? Oh, what a finish and what a shirt. Yeah, no, it really was. And funny you should mention Ted McDougall, Sean, because, well... Very soon, I'm hopefully going to be getting a chance to meet and interview the club legend in a couple of weeks. That's right. The Ted McDougall stand is named after him. Of course, it's Ted McDougall. We'll be talking about his new book, amongst many other things about his Bournemouth career. But uh, Mr. Barker, being king of the puns, you're all over the book title, aren't you? I am loving the book title. So the book is called McDougall. 
the Ted <laughs> McDougal story. It's written by Neil Vaitcher, who's the club secretary, and Ted McDougal. And it's published by Pitch Publishing. Now, the guys at Pitch Publishing have kindly given us some copies of the book to give away in a few weeks' time. So we're going to tie that in with the uh, interview that Sam's going to carry out with the man himself, Ted McDougall. So thanks to Pitch Publishing. Stay tuned for that because we are going to be giving away some books and we're also going to be hearing that interview. But yeah, it sounds like a great read and uh, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. But Sam, the giveaways don't end there. Because next week, well, not next week, sorry, I got the international break. So after the whole game, so a couple of weeks time, I'm going to be doing a feature all about FIFA 17. Yes, yes, the classic FIFA game. So the our friends over at EA Sports have given us a copy of FIFA 17 for the PS4 to give away on the next show. And uh, I've got a sneaky copy and I'm going to be doing a little feature just looking at it from an AFC Bournemouth fan perspective. So basically, I'm going to do what I pretty much do all the time. I'm going to sit in my undies playing FIFA for hours, except this time I'm going to be recording it and bringing you a feature. So that's coming up on the next show, as well as we've got Ted McDougal um, interview, which is going to be the show after that. And then there's even more gaming prizes to come up probably end of October, November, but I'm not even going to tell you about that yet. Hi, this is Gary Chapman, the bloke who stands in the back of the North Stands shouting up the cherries. You're listening to Back of the Net. So some exciting times ahead for the podcast. Hopefully some exciting times ahead for AFC Bournemouth as well. We're going to be entertaining Hull on the 15th. We've got the small matter of the international break, as you've probably gathered by now. Um, Travelling to Malta on Saturday and then Slovenia at home. Fingers crossed we'll get some wins uh, to raise our spirits. But yeah, Bournemouth are in good form at the moment. Hull... Not really so. Now, they started off the season actually pretty well. They beat Leicester 2-1, 1-2-0 at Swansea, even uh, held Manchester United until they scored a last-minute goal. But it's been kind of going a bit wrong recently. So uh, they lost to Arsenal at home 4-1, Liverpool put five past them. Uh, And then at the weekend, they lost 2-0 at home to Chelsea. Kind of lost their way, I think, as the realities of the quality of the Premier League kicks in. Um, having said that, they've got Snodgrass, who's been in fantastic form, so definitely a player to watch. From our perspective, I mean, it's difficult to say because we go into this game after a couple of weeks off, um, but we, it's a bit unfortunate, really, because you felt like we were just building up some good momentum. And uh, I just hope we can continue that through against this side at Hull that... Well, be honest, on paper, you would look at it at the start of the season and go, well, this is where we need to pick up three points. And I still think that's the case. I think we need to be looking to win this game. And I think we've certainly got the quality. In terms of the side, I guess the only question mark for me really is around Charlie Daniels um, and his recent performances or his performances this season. He, I mean, he hasn't hit the heights of last year. It's difficult to know how much Jordan Ibe has played a part in that when he's been playing on the same side um, because there have been occasions where you felt like they haven't really been linking up that well. I noticed in the game against Watford, 
as we discussed, Ibe was getting back and tracking really well and, and doubling up with Daniels. But going forward, the co-commentator on BN Sports made a good point. He noticed that whenever Ibe got the ball, Daniel was was making like an overlapping run or running into his space because he's been used to a lot of the times of playing with someone like Mark Pugh, who maybe isn't going to beat a player individually one-on-one all the time. Whereas Ibe, you really want him isolated one-on-one with that fullback. And what the the guy was making the point, I can't remember the name of who it was, but um, a real good point was that, look, Daniel, stay out the way. Because if Ibe's one-on-one, you fancy him to beat the defender. And as soon as you bring in Daniels, you bring another defender with you because then it's two-on-two. So I don't know. I, I, Brad Smith, I didn't see the, the debacle against Preston. Um, obviously, we saw him in the Valencia game and he had some good, strong moments. I think he can't be far away from knocking on that door. But other than that, I can't really see barring injury any drastic changes. What about you? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, the only other doubt, I suppose, is Harry Arter, but fingers crossed he's going to be okay now. As I said earlier in the review, there's, a, there's some conspiracy theories there. But in terms of a prediction, Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you now, what are you thinking? Hull can concede goals. We are starting to look a lot more of a danger going forward. I know last year I called Goalfest against Watford. And was it nil-nil, I think, or something think like it, that? Yes, it was. Um, I think it's time. I think I get, I think I get one, one a season. This, my friend, will be Goalfest. Bournemouth 4, Hull City nil. Oh, yes. <laughs> you said it. Well, that is that is bold, Sean. Um, so playing the Hull Tigers, I'm going to be a, a copycat. Yeah, yeah, I did it. I went there. 3-0 um, for me. I think it's going to be very similar. I, I imagine to the Norwich game last season, um, newly promoted side, although obviously we, we both went up together. But I don't know. I just I feel as though... Um, we're starting to come together. The team's beginning to galvanise now. And uh, even if Brad Smith is coming in in replace of Charlie Daniels, I, I just feel as though the midfield at the moment is so strong. Callum Wilson, his runs, as you say, um, at the weekend were just fantastic. And he was just getting behind those defenders. And I don't know, I think things are coming together. So um, I'm expecting the good run to continue now. And yeah, I'm going for 3-0. Hi, I'm Michael Botto, and you're listening to Sean and Sam making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. So that almost wraps it up for another show, but stick with us because there's just a few more minutes of awesomeness. And then over the next couple of weeks, plenty of awesomeness. We've got the launch of the retro shirt poll. We've got FIFA 17 for the PS4 to give away on the next week's show. We've got Ted McDougall interviews. We've got Neil and Ted's book to give away. There's another game coming up. There's so much to listen to over the next few weeks here on Back of the Net. 
Yeah, we really hope you're appreciating what we're doing and spread the word. It would really help. We're loving all the retweets and all the Facebook messages that we get. It really does help. Um, Also, what helps as well is if you're able to give us a review on iTunes as well. So if you go onto iTunes and just search the Back of the Net podcast on there, you've got a chance to leave us a review. It's relatively simple to do, uh, but if you do get stuck, check out our Twitter feed. It's twitter.com com slash afcb podcast and we'll pop it on facebook too now the listenership that we're getting is absolutely incredible sean and i um started this thinking that one man and his dog would be tuning in but as i tweeted earlier on after 24 hours of the last show we had uh, just under 2000 downloads um we're now getting about 4000 downloads an episode which is absolutely incredible sean and i honestly want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts it really does mean a lot yeah and thanks very much to david gale in woking who has gone on to itunes and left us a review five stars top stuff for anyone who follows afcb keep this up boys thank you david and we will try our best now the other way you can help us with the show is to donate and you know with with podcasts it's interesting i don't know if you listen to a lot of podcasts or maybe just us but you know they are free and they are brilliant i listen to some great podcasts there's one i listen to every night to go to sleep and I'm a patron of them, so I actually pay a monthly subscription, which you don't have to, but I do to help them keep it on the air. We aren't asking for anything like that, but if you do get value, we really do um, ask you, please, if you would consider a smallish donation, which you can do through our website, afcbpodcast.com forward slash donate. Um, you know, yeah, maybe a tenner. Can I ask for that? Can I can I hear twenty? Can I hear hundred? No, no, I can't hear hundred. <laughs> but anyway, no, whatever whatever you can spare, we would really really help it. We're getting really good listeners, so it doesn't take much just to help us keep the show going. Um, the other way you can do it is to purchase an Eddie Had a Dream T-shirt, which is our back of the net T-shirt, um, which has been modelled recently by listener Robert Murphy at three a.m. when he sent us that photo. Um, no, oh, not that photo, the other photo where he was wearing the shirt, Sam. Um, but yeah, you can go on to our, which is afcbpodcast.com forward slash shop, and you can purchase a T-shirt, and you can also add a small donation. But that all helps. Sorry, I know it feels like we keep going on about it, but it would really help us. Last thing is, if you know anyone who has a business, uh, contact us, because we've got a sponsorship proposal document we can send you it talks all about all the thousands of people that listen and advertising options and uh yeah because if we got a sponsor we can stop talking about their donate but thank you so much to everyone who has already donated amazing thank you love you all love you yeah and uh if you do want a sponsor we'll of course be putting your banner on our website and do have a look around our website we've even got a video section so any ac bournemouth related stuff we've got the videos there um yeah do check it out and sean also uploaded his amazing article that galvanized us fans a couple of weeks together and we will be putting uh all our individual show features actually on back of the net too so if you missed the bits about the ac bournemouth ladies team or or the cherries cafe or Sean's Around the World feature, you can just listen to them there as well. Yep, so it's going to be a couple of weeks now until the next show because of this bloody international break. So Gareth's Barmy Army will be looking to kickstart England's uh, life as a team that really are as low as they can go. But maybe we'll all be feeling a bit better than about that. But then we'll be coming back with proper business 
AFC Bournemouth would have played Hull City. Let's hope it's the goal fest I've predicted and we'll be able to tune in to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Um, Sean, I know we're confident of the answer, but surely we should tell the listener about the answer to Do You Remember, shouldn't we? <laughs> oh, yes. We've done it again, listener. Why do we do We've it? We've done it again. Why do we do it? Ever, ever the professionals. We need to have a note stuck on my computer. Do you remember? So ironic. Um, so, yes, of course, before we go this week, we always like to bring you the answer to Do You Remember? Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Um, so this player, left back, his delivery into the box would be from the, the right-hand side in swinging left foot. He'd always aim it in that bottom th- last third of the goal. So if no one touched it, it went straight in. Otherwise, someone would get a toe. Back of the net. This week's Do You Remember? Go on, Sam. Crystal what? No, Jamie Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jamie Vincent. And indeed it was... It was amazing, really, wasn't it? That the transfer window back then went until March. And I remember we were pushing, weren't we, to go up playoffs and then we sold him. But I remember, uh, I remember, I remember this. I don't remember to talk about the answer, but I do remember this. I remember our, our very own Michael Dunn on his All Departments podcast. He interviewed Trevor Watkins once. And I seem to recall they talked about the Jamie Vincent sale then. And it was basically we didn't have enough money to pay anybody anything. So there was just no choice. We had to sell him, which we did. And look how times have changed. So there you go, folks. We've neatly rounded up everything. There's been no grey areas. There's no splodges on anybody's copybook or any other (laughs) awful analogies I can try and think of. Let's just get out. We'll be back in a couple of weeks and uh, maybe we'll be a little bit better. Who knows? This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Is that it, Sam? Don't forget the milk from the supermarket. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.